That is such good singing. God bless you. Welcome tonight. My name is Tim Harris. I'm pastor at Woodburn Baptist Church and delighted to welcome all of you here tonight. Open your Bibles to one verse tonight, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. I am talking tonight especially to graduates, and I consider all of us graduates. You know, of course, what the word graduation means, or you don't. The word graduation, it, it, of course, refers to the ceremony you walk through with the flat thing on your head and the diploma in your hand with the gown. It, it means that. But what does the word graduation really mean? It means to change over time, to change gradually, to change over time. How many of you are changing gradually? Go ahead, raise your hand. Yeah. Uh, some of you think you're not, but we'll tell you otherwise you are. Uh, you are. Everybody's changing. Uh, I see folks I went to high school with. I graduated from Warren Central in 1983. Just for fun, how many of you were not born in 83? How many of you were born since 83? Yeah. Oh, gosh, that, is, that hurts painfully. That just hurts. Yeah. Nin What's that? Is that the year you graduated high school, Jack? We're all changing. We're just all changing. I was thinking maybe I wasn't changing. I've always kind of looked young. Uh, people used to say, gosh, you don't look like you could be, you don't, you don't look like you're in high school. I've always kind of looked young. And I thought maybe I'm not changing. And honestly, I still wear the same size pants I wore when I got married. And I'm thinking, I'm not changing. But then I looked in the mirror and I found this. <laughs> this right here. I'm gaining all my weight above the pants. This is like the nastiest trick ever. Who thought of this? I've got like a, a muffin top. That's what they call it these days. You know that? Y'all know, know what a muffin top is? You ever seen a muffin? It, it cooks in the paper and it all kind of blah, 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 comes out all over the paper. Yeah, man, that's, that's what I got going on right here. It's just a muffin top and there's not a thing I can do about it. Apparently God just wants me to have it. I'm a 45-year-old man and I'm changing gradually. We all change gradually. Jack Wright is changing gradually. Jack said, did you get any complaints about anybody driving wild in the church parking lot yesterday? I said, no, Jack, was there somebody driving wild in the church parking lot? He said, yeah, Maverick. <laughs> so Jack Wright let Maverick. How old is Maverick? He's two. Jack let Maverick drive his truck. Okay. Have y'all known Jack Wright as long as I've known Jack Wright? What did you say? Jack said, you got to let the boy experience, just experience life, experience adventure, something like that. Yeah, the funny thing is I've known Jack all these years. I knew Jack when his boys were maverick size. And that's what I said, Jack, you never let Frank, Alex, or Rob experience life. They never had an adventure. They had to get married and leave home to experience life. Would he have ever, ever let you drive a truck at two years old, Alex? And besides, that is bound to be against some law. It's got to be against some law. <laughs> the citizens arrest, man. Did he really, did Maverick really jump the curb and go out across the front yard? Yeah, and the guys mowing the yard were a little alarmed when he was, yeah, yeah. And Jack thinks that's so funny. Y'all recognize with me, Jack has changed. He's changed. Something about being a grandfather, I, I suspect, has changed him. We all change. We are always changing from the day we're born until the day we die. It's a change. It's a constant, constant change. Honestly, when we're very young, we don't even realize that it's happening. And that's when we're doing most of our changing, really. We change so quickly and so very rapidly, so dramatically in those early years. But we don't even know it. 
That's why we draw the lines on the closet door, just to help our kids see how she's growing up. It's why we mark occasions like this graduation, just to help the young people understand your life is moving, you're changing. We all change. Man, I want to give you a verse tonight to help you navigate the change. No matter at what stage you are, no matter what kind of graduation you are experiencing tonight, and especially to the high school guys and girls, listen to this verse. This is the word of God, and it is a good one. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 is where we are. 2 Timothy 2, 15, uh, a verse you've probably heard all of your lives. Let's look at it tonight. 2 Timothy 2, 15. Read it with me from the screen. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Read it again with me. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15. For those of you who are probably uh, 18, 20 years old and less, maybe you know this song. If, if you do join in, it goes like this. If you like to talk to tomatoes, if squash make you smile, if you like to with potatoes up and down the produce aisle. We got, we got a show for you. Yeah. What is that? Veggie Tales. That is Veggie Tales. That is a generation past mine. But there's a whole group of kids now that have grown up on Veggie Tales. Somebody for the rest of us explain what Veggie Tales is. What is it? Yeah, Tales of Veggies. It's animated vegetables. Bob the tomato, Larry the cucumber, Junior asparagus, the whole gang there. They're all vegetables, but they, what'd you say, Jordan? How'd you explain it? Yeah, they tell Bible stories. Uh, Veggie Tales has been a wonderful, wonderful resource for Christian families because these are excellent videos, excellent DVDs now. And the vegetables tell Bible stories. It, it's all about God. What I want you to realize, especially those of you who've grown up with it, you know that in recent years, Veggie Tales was picked up by NBC. NBC, the national network, picked up Veggie Tales for its Saturday morning cartoon lineup. Now, that sounds great, doesn't it? That sounds fantastic. Veggie Tales, uh, telling Bible stories, talking about God and reading scripture on Saturday morning television, NBC. But a funny thing happened on the way to NBC with VeggieTales. What happened? Have you ever watched it on Saturday morning? They edited it. Yeah, they, they edited VeggieTales. The Christians started complaining because you would watch the same Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber and Junior Asparagus, and all of a sudden Junior Asparagus doesn't have anything to say about God. And Bob the Tomato barely has anything to say and no longer reading scripture. And Christians began to complain. This is what Veggie Tales was all about. The first thing NBC said was, well, we have to edit for length. These videos are 30 minutes long. And honestly, with commercials, we can only play 23 minutes. And so we've edited it for length. But still, that kind of stinks, doesn't it? Because the only thing they ever cut out was anything pertaining directly to God or scripture or anything else. So finally, they were honest enough just to say it. They edited VeggieTales to try to reach a broader audience. In other words, we tried to cut everything Christian out of it so nobody gets offended. 
Wow. I just want to put that in your head tonight, especially those of you who grew up with VeggieTales, because I want you to understand that's the world we live in. It's okay if VeggieTales tells nice moral stories, if all the cucumbers just teach kids to be nice, because we all want kids to be nice. But there's just this tendency to edit out anything that explicitly talks about why or how we can or should be nice. This tendency to edit out anything that has anything to do with the name of Jesus, anything that says specifically where morality or goodness or salvation comes from. The world wants to edit that. And honestly, if you've been alive very long by now, you've figured out that the world edits you in the same way. When you go to school, when you go to college, when you go to work, there is this tendency for, for the culture, for all the people around you to, to make you edit yourself. You find yourself nearly afraid to say Jesus' name. Even if somebody asks you a direct question about your faith, you find yourself afraid to say his name. You find yourself afraid to talk about the fact that you're a Christian, a, a follower of Christ. You begin to edit all of those things out of your life. So people see you in the world and they assume or they recognize that you're some sort of blandly nice person, but they never ever hear the name of Jesus from your lips. You've learned to edit that part of yourself out of life. You'll get further in the world perhaps that way, but that is not the way to live a life that follows after Christ. This verse here, 2 Timothy 2.15, gives you a few tips to help you understand how to live for Christ in, in the world in which we live these days. First two words, say them with me, work hard, work hard. I memorized this from King James as a boy, and the King James, the first word is study. Study to show thyself approved is how I learned the verse, study. And honestly, study sounds like something I do not want to do. Study sounds like something when you're graduating from school, something you're promising you never want to ever do again. Study just doesn't sound right. And honestly, study's not the best way to translate what this verse is trying to say. Work hard is a little bit better. Work hard. The Greek language here actually talks about taking great pains. It has something to do with passion and effort, something to do with doing something hard. Work hard. Take pains. Take pains. Write this down, graduates, if you would. I want you to understand something about the Christian life. And it's not exactly what you want to hear, but it's the truest thing I can tell you. Sometimes the Christian life is painful. It's painful. And you cannot expect that you're going to live for Christ and never have to take pains. You can't assume that you're never going to have to do your best, work your hardest. This is not easy. If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. You must take pains. You must work hard. It is going to be painful to live right. It's painful because God sometimes is going to ask me and you to do things that wouldn't necessarily be our choice. God is always calling his people forward, always calling us to change and always to change. And the change he's doing in my life is not always the change I would choose or the change that makes me comfortable, but it is the change that leads me more into his image. God is creating holiness in me and happiness is beside the point. He wants to make me holy so the scripture says, work hard, take pains, be diligent. You ever been to a ball game and seen those guys who rip off their shirts and paint themselves orange or red or blue? I guess it's blue around here. Whatever color for their team. You ever seen anybody do that? 
just for fun. Anybody ever done that in this house? Have you ever done that? <laughs> yeah. Man, I wish I had you doing it tonight. That would have been so fun. Yeah. Again, Alex, uh, Nick, Nate, and Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, guys. Yeah. <laughs> you ever seen these guys do that? Yeah, paint their chest, put a letter, paint themselves blue, whatever, stand at the ball game. Ah! I'm not talking about these four guys in particular, but you've seen those guys. And I just sometimes wonder when I'm seeing those guys acting like that, I wonder if they put that same passion into other things they do. You know what I'm saying? You see people so passionate for a sports team, so passionate for the Titans or the Wildcats or the Volunteers or whoever you're passionate for, if it's the Three Stooges or whatever you love, you see people so absolutely on fire with passion for something like that. Paint themselves, sell themselves, do whatever it takes to be there to witness. And I'm telling you, there are people who pour incredible passion and intensity into something like a sports team or something like a hobby. I just wonder if they put that same intensity in the other parts of their life. Imagine if all the guys painted blue out there at UK basketball. Imagine if they put that intensity into their marriages. Imagine if they poured that kind of intensity into being fathers. Just imagine if they put that kind of intensity into their faith. And this is what this verse is saying, work hard. You've got to pour intensity into whatever you do for Christ, whatever you do for him. It is worthy of your best effort. It is worthy of your hardest work. You pour intensity to it. This is what matters in life. Work hard, the scripture says. Work hard so you can present yourself to God. Work hard so you can present yourself. We won't ask you tonight, but the funny thing is all the high school graduates have boxes made tonight, and the boxes are just really, really outstanding. They're so much fun. I love those little pictures of Chad Smith in his pajamas, man. I'll kick back, man. He's such a little dude. That is so funny, Chad. I love those pictures of, of Kristen tying on her little dancing shoes. Man, I love all of that. I love those boxes. I'm just wondering how many of those boxes their mama's made for them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Jacob Dyer graduated. Do y'all know Teresa Dyer? Do y'all know her? Do y'all know that she's probably on medication just to sit through this graduate recognition tonight? <laughs> this woman is nearly a, a basket case. It's her baby, man, her baby. She was diapering that behind just yesterday, and now it's graduating. Wow. That's the really, really funny thing, because for the first part of our life, it's always somebody else who presents us. It's always somebody else who signs us up for Little League Baseball, somebody else who's driving us to soccer. It's somebody else who's making sure that all of your camp paperwork is filled out. Somebody else who makes the call that she sees that you get the summer job. Somebody else who's helping you cash the check that you made babysitting, that, you, that they set up the babysitting job. You understand? For a long, long way, it's other people who carry you along. It's other people that present you. But the scripture is very, very clear that we are supposed to grow up to the point where we take great pains to present ourselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? You take great pains to present yourself. Your mama is not going to go the whole distance with you. There is a point when it is you that must present yourself and it is yourself you have to present. In, In other words, 
It's so essential to be real, to learn who you are and to learn how to be yourself and how to present yourself before God. I say that because phoniness is all around us. People are such phonies. They live phony lives. They come to church and become a phony kind of Christian. People are phony. But the scripture says you work hard to present yourself. You've really got to figure out who Christ made you to be. And you've really got to work hard to present yourself. You can't be somebody else. You can't get very far in life imitating somebody else or living somebody else's dream for your life. It is yourself that you have to present. And the world is full of phonies. One of the turning points in my life was a turning point in my sister's life. And Tracy, I hope you'll let me tell this story I'm about to. I hope you'll let me tell this story. I remember as a kid listening to my sister who was probably a senior in high school, maybe right in college. And she was talking to one of her friends who was a Christian. Tracy had no idea I was listening, but just so you know, I always listened when you were on the phone, man. I was just that punk little brother, man. I didn't miss it because it was always good. <laughs> My sister on the phone, it was always good, man. I didn't miss one. But this particular night, she was talking to a Christian friend. And at that point, those Christian girls had been on the wrong path. And I heard my sister say, I'm just so tired of being one person at church and, and another person everywhere else. Wow. Tracy, that changed my life. That changed my life. You got to be real. You've got to be yourself, and it's really not going to be very good if you've fallen into this habit of being a phony person, whether it's church or with your parents or anywhere else you go. You have got to present yourself because you're presenting yourself before whom? Before God. But before God, not your parents, not your school teachers, not anybody else. Ultimately, it is God before whom you must present yourself. And he knows you, baby. He knows you. He created you. You're not going to be phony before him. You're not going to fool him. He looks straight through into the deepest places in your heart. You present yourself to God and receive his approval. The words there sound simple enough to receive his approval, but actually they're, they're freighted with meaning there. The idea is not just approval, like God gives you a check mark on your paper and a smiley face like your third grade teacher. It's not that kind of uh, approval. The word there has, has a meaning which brings in the whole idea of having been tested. In other words, present yourself to God as one who's been tested and tried. The approval isn't something that just comes out for free. The approval comes on the other end of a proving process. Approval has to do with having been proven. In, in other words, in our lives, we must understand that, that testing is necessary. It is necessary. I know how fun it is to graduate school, and right now, Beth Davis is thinking, I am so finished with tests. You've been taking tests forever. It's nursing school, right? And this morning, walking out, Beth said, I got one test left. It's the big one. This is state boards. That's the big test. And she's thinking, after that, man, she's going to go to work at a hospital and make money. But, but honestly, testing's necessary. 
And in school, there is always somebody who is lining up to test you, to put a test in front of you. But in our lives, we have to learn that testing sometimes is something that we have to seek. Testing is sometimes the thing that we have to set ourselves up for. I need opportunities to develop and to prove my strength. I need opportunities to find out what's inside of me. And I must be the kind of person, and you must be the kind of person that will walk into the hard things and try the hard things and do the hard things. It's testing, and it's necessary. And you'll never become the woman God wants you to be. You'll never be the man that God wants you to be if you think you're going to take your whole life the easy road. Presents yourself before God in such a way as to receive his approval. That approval comes after you've proven yourself. And we must always be seeking to prove ourselves, not in a selfish way, not in a fleshly way. God knows us. He knows what he's put inside of us. He knows the strength that is inside of us. And we need to look for opportunities to prove our strength. Don't waste your strength. Don't waste your intelligence. I'm telling you to go the opposite way of the whole world. You seek out the hard things, and you do the hard things. And every day when you get up, if you want to be wise, you do the hard things first. Because testing is necessary. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed. Uh, You ever ever been ashamed? My grandma, one of the primary means of disciplining me was she'd say, you ought to be ashamed. And man, if she said that, I was. I hate that feeling of being embarrassed, embarrassed for myself. I I despise that feeling of looking ridiculous. And this is what the scripture says. You live your life in such a way where you never have to be embarrassed for yourself. You do the work that God has for you to do, and you do it in such a way that when you stand before him, you won't be ashamed of the piddling work you've done for him. You do it in a way where you'll never, ever have to be embarrassed. Embarrassed of the choices you've made. Embarrassed for the friends that you have kept. Embarrassed for the words you have said. Embarrassed for the deeds you have done. You live your life in such a way where you never need be ashamed. You make that choice up front. A good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly explains the word of truth. Again, back in the King James, the reading there was one who rightly divides. And I've never understood what that meant. It's actually a very, very difficult Greek phrase. One who rightly divides the word of truth. Literally, the Greek there says is one who cuts straight. One who cuts straight. Obviously, it's got something to do with understanding and being able to explain the gospel. You've got to know God's word. You've got to know what God says. Oftentimes, at these turning points in our lives, we say that we need to seek God's will. We don't know what God wants for us. And and, in a sense, I understand what you're saying. But in another way, I say that is hogwise. You read the Bible, and you know enough of what God wants you to do to stay busy for a long, long time. God has not been stingy in revealing his will to us. You know good and well how he wants you to live. You know good and well what he wants you to do. Don't say you don't. God has revealed enough of his will. You know enough to be busy all day tomorrow. Do you understand? 
to, to, to cut straight. You've got to understand God's word. You've got to be able to explain it, to somehow be able to talk about it. But more importantly, you've got to cut a straight path with your life. The path of your life has to go straight through God's word. No shortcuts, nothing left out. You go straight through God's word. This is the path of your life. It's not just being able to win in Bible trivia. It's not just knowing a lot of Bible things from Sunday school. If you've learned anything, truthfully learned anything about the Bible, it will be revealed in the straight path of your life. You've got to be able to to cut straight, cut straight with the Word of God. I've talked to Joe Neal through the years. I, I love this time of year. I love when the crops start coming up. I love the summer and the fall when you can drive down Three Springs Road and just see acres and acres and acres of corn or wheat or beans. And I love looking at those straight roads. You ever seen a farmer that looks like he was drunk? Yeah. But not Joe Neal now. You go down Joe Neal's fields and a lot of your fields go down and those fields are straight. Those roads are straight. And I've asked Joe Neal, Joe Neal, how in the world do you have a straight road like that? How do you have a straight path? What do you say? What's the answer? Yeah, yeah. You can't look down here at the steering wheel. You can't look right in front of the tractor. You'll never drive a straight path. You have to fix your eyes on the distance. You have to pick out a point in in the future, the, the place where you want to end up, and you cut a straight path toward it. We're talking about the path of your life. You're changing gradually, and some of us, it's hard to understand. We've already changed too much before we ever realize that we've been changing. Everybody, we're all changing. You're becoming a certain kind of person, and you can't just let this happen accidentally. You've got to work hard. You've got to pour intensity into serving God. You've got to cut a straight path with God's word so that somehow you're making some choices about the person you're becoming, and you're becoming somebody. And it doesn't stop when you graduate high school or finish technical college or find your job or get married. It never stops. You're always changing. You're always becoming somebody different. And you must make a choice about the person you're going to be. You've got to fix a point there in the future, that that person that's going to be more like Christ, that husband that's going to be intensely passionate for his wife, that marriage, that family that's going to stay together through every circumstance, that girl who's going to finish school and meet her goals and, and serve God in the profession that he's chosen for her. You've got to fix your eyes on the person you're becoming and cut a straight path, a straight path through God's word that takes you to the place God wants you to be. Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who never needs to be ashamed and who correctly explains, who cuts straight the word of truth. Everybody's asking what you're going to do with your life. What are you going to major in? What are you going to do next? And honestly, you don't know. It's hard to know. You've come up with an answer. I'm going to Western. I'm going to UK. I'm going to Clown College. You've come up with some sort of answer, but... But you don't know. It's hard to know. We always say we're going to wait on God. Just wait on God. And truly, God will reveal his will for your life. He has a plan. He has a purpose. God has dreamed a dream for your life since before you were even born. You need to know him so that you can know his plan, his dream for your life. But but, but honestly, tonight, it is not so much that you're waiting on God to find out what he has for you. That's not really the picture. Honestly, what's happening here is God is waiting for you. 
It's less that you're waiting on God. He's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to get passionate about him. He's waiting for you to work hard for him. He's waiting for you to put your life, all of it, the person you are, the person you're becoming, he's waiting for you to put all of that in his hands. He will do something amazing with everything that's placed in his hands. Put yourself in his hands. Let's have a prayer together. God, sometimes we, we, we wish it were easier. But Lord, you said that if anybody was going to follow you, they'd have to pick up a cross to follow you. You never promised an easy path. You never promised happiness. You never promised that we would have everything we wanted. You never promised that we would be popular. You never promised that we would be wealthy. You only promised that if we would follow you, you would be with us and you would fill our lives. Peace, joy, love. Oh God, I pray tonight, especially for these young people on this threshold of a brand new chapter of their lives. Oh God, I ask that you write the next chapter of their lives. And I ask, Lord, that they cut a straight path through your will for their lives, through your plan. Oh God, all of us here tonight are becoming somebody. Some of us have imagined that we stop changing, but Lord, we never stop changing. We're always becoming either more like you or, or less like you. Oh God, we want to be more like you. Life is so short. It flies by like these pictures in the slideshow tonight, Lord. It just flies by. We have so little time for anything except following you. Lord Jesus, help us to work hard. Help us to pour diligence to it, Lord. Help us, Lord, to live lives on fire for you. God, I pray for each and every person in this house tonight that you would give them, Lord, a desire, a passion, a burning passion to live for you, to cut a straight path toward your face. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing one more song.